0: letter that was written to a pastor said this pastor I've walked down many roads searching for happiness but nothing is ever as good as it promises to be I'm frustrated I just want to be happy can you help me think we can help her I mean, or or should we tell her, you know, you just have to look on the bright side. Just take that frown and turn it upside down, (laughs) right? Uh, Well, it's selfish to ask for happiness. That's a self-centered shame on you. You should be asking for holiness, not happiness. Um, You should be uh, looking for joy, not happiness. We have joy. We don't have happiness. What should we do? Great Saint Augustine, great philosopher, said every man, whatsoever his condition, desires to be happy. We all want to be happy, right? In fact, Blaise Pascal, um, 1,300 years later, says, All men seek happiness. This is without exception. The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man and woman, even of those who hang themselves. Let me face it, we all want to be, we all want to be happy. We all want to have some joy uh, um, in our lives. And, um, you know, people can, in fact, let's look at what the Bible says in in a very short video about this thing called joy, happiness.
1: Being in a good mood is really great. And most languages have lots of words to describe the experience, like happy, cheerful, joyful, and so on. The same goes for the languages of the Bible. In ancient biblical Hebrew, there's a variety of words, like simcha, sason, or gil. In the Greek New Testament, there's kara, yufresune, or agliasis. Each word has its own unique nuance, but they all basically refer to the feeling of joy and happiness. Now, what makes these biblical joy words interesting is noticing the kinds of things that bring happiness, and also seeing how joy is a key theme that runs through the whole story of the Bible. Let's start with sources. Of joy. On page 1 of the Bible, God says that this world is very good. And so naturally, people find joy in beautiful and good things of life, like growing flocks or an abundant harvest on the hills. The poet of Psalm 104 says a good bottle of wine is God's gift to bring joy to people's hearts. People find joy at a wedding or in their children. There's even a Hebrew proverb that compares the joy that perfume brings to your nose with the joy a good friend brings Mm -hmm. to your heart. However, human history isn't just a joy fest. The biblical story shows how we live in a world that's been corrupted by our own selfishness. It's marked by death and loss. And this is where biblical faith offers a unique perspective on joy. It's an attitude God's people adopt. Not because of happy circumstances, but because of their hope in God's love and promise. So when the Israelites were suffering from slavery in Egypt, God raised up Moses to lead them into freedom. And the first thing the Israelites did was sing for joy. Even though they were in the middle of a desert, they were vulnerable, the promised land was still far away, they rejoiced anyway. Later biblical poets looked back on this story and they remembered how the Lord caused his people to leave with joy, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. This joy in the wilderness, this was a defining moment, a way of saying that the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but by their future destiny. This theme appears later in Israel's story, when Israel suffered under the oppression of foreign empires. The prophet Isaiah looked for a day when God would raise up a new deliverer like Moses. That's when those redeemed by the Lord will return to Zion with glad shouts, with eternal joy crowning their heads. Happiness and joy will overtake them. And while the Israelites waited, they chose joy to anticipate their future redemption. This is why it's significant that when Jesus of Nazareth was born, it was announced as good news that brings great joy. We're told that Jesus himself rejoiced and gave thanks to God his Father when he began to announce the kingdom of God. He even taught his followers the same joy in the wilderness, saying, when people reject you or persecute you for following me, rejoice, be very glad. Because your reward is great in heaven. After his death and resurrection, Jesus commissioned his followers to go out and announce the good news that he was the risen king of the world. And as they did so, the early Christian communities were known for being full of joy, even when they were persecuted. Like when the Apostle Paul was sitting in a dirty Roman prison, he could say that he's chosen joy, even if he gets executed. He called this the joy of faith, or joy in the Lord. He believed it was the gift of God's spirit, a sign that Jesus's presence is with you, inspiring hope in the midst of hardship. And when you believe that Jesus's love has overcome death itself, joy becomes reasonable in the darkest of circumstances. Now this doesn't mean that you ignore or suppress your sorrow. That's not healthy or necessary. Paul often expressed his grief about missing loved ones or losing friends or his own freedom. He called it being full of sorrow and yet As he acknowledged his pain, he also made a choice to trust Jesus that his loss wouldn't be the final word. This is very different from the trite advice to turn that frown upside down. Christian joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and love. And that's what biblical joy is all about.
0: We can... So, if we're gonna, that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at biblical joy. We're going to make this into like a summer of joy. How's that? Uh, I mean, uh, we went uh, during Lent, we talked about prayer. Jesus spent 40 days praying before he started his, his ministry. So, we spent 40 days looking at prayer. And then after the resurrection, we talked about love, right? Love is the main thing. And, and we looked at the classic love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, now we're going to look at joy, uh, because we all want it, Um, everybody does, and and the classic joy book is Philippians, it's it's only four chapters long, and yet it has joy, enjoy, rejoice, like 17 times, Uh, it is uh, the classic thing about about joy and it was written by Paul in prison. He had, he had started this, this, this church in Philippi when he, he left the, when he, this was his first church in Europe. He, he crossed from the Middle East into Greece and, and there, that's where he started church uh, in Philippi. and it was hard. it was a rough start. Um, and, and he was their founding pastor. and then he gets arrested there. He gets arrested again. This this was one of his imprisonments. While he is in jail, in Rome, he writes this book about joy, which shows, by the way, that that as it was talking about joy in the wilderness. Um, I mean, he may he realized he may have, he may die here. He did die in a Roman prison. He was executed for that. This may have been from that. He knew the probability is it was hard once you got into prison it was hard to get out um, and death was the usual <laughs> payment so we're going to take a look we're going to take a look at at, at at joy at happiness at really beginning to look at it I mean if uh, uh, what is it and and, and if you were going to you know talk about it where would you start? Would you start with um, money? Joy of making lots of money. Would you start, talk about the joy of success, right? Being successful, being famous. Joy of sex. There's a book out. There. Long. Time. Joy of what? We're gonna. He starts off with the joy of relationships. It's hard to be happy when all your relationships have gone south, right? I mean, you know, you can have all the money in the world and you can have a successful job and you can have lots of recognition. You're going through a divorce. You're, you're, you're estranged from your kids. Your relationships are, are lousy. It's hard to be happy. So let's, let's look at that. Bow heads, Lord, as we look at now this summer... People are about enjoying summer, enjoying vacation. I enjoyed vacation. But is that all that it, it is? Show us in this little book of joy, this book that talks about joy, 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 in less than the greatest circumstance, here by a man on, on death row. <sighs> Show us how we can have joy, and today especially, joy, happiness. In our relationships. Amen. Okay, so we're just going to be going verse by verse. That's the way we're going to start off, and I don't know how many weeks we'll do that, but, uh, and then go into some other things about it. I'm trying to read all the books I can on, <laughs> on the subject of Christian joy, and it starts off with being grateful for the people in my life, um, and gratitude, Actually, the word is kara, you saw there, and Eucharistia comes from Eucharistia. It's gratitude produces joy. And studies, psychological studies, sociological studies, over and over and over again, they find out that people who are happy are grateful. In fact, it was also interesting to find out that that the happiest people are people of faith. And, And it was almost reluctant, some of the... Some of the researchers, one of the you know, great researchers said, I don't have a religious or spiritual bone in my body, but I have to admit that people with faith are happier than people who aren't. And, and, and we're grateful, of course, the, you know, the, the primary gratitude is, is to God, the first gratitude. You know, he's, he's, given, he's forgiven my past. He's given me a new perspective right now. He's given me a purpose for a living. He's given me a home. I mean, in heaven, if that were all he gave me, that would be enough. But it's more than just our regret, grateful to God. We're also grateful to the people around us. Look what he says. He says this. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. Every time I... Is that the first thing? When you think about the people in your life, when you think about... Uh, and, and you, Is that the first thing that you think about? How grateful you are for that particular person, whether it's husband, wife, child, worker, whatever, is the first thought gratitude. That's what he says. He says the first thing that happened, and it was, by the way, this was a rough start. This was a really rough start when Paul started the church in Philippi, as he said. You know, um, uh, he had one person. Lydia, a businesswoman, who opened her home to him, but um, I mean, he eventually got run out of town. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was whipped. Roman citizens weren't supposed to. He was. I mean, the the opposition was was constant. Really rough start, and yet he says, "I give thanks for you." Look, look over here. he says, I thank God for the help you gave me. And they gave him a lot of garbage as well. I mean, they did give him help. but they gave him, and, and yet he's focusing on those good times. He's focusing on the good things. Not on the bad. I guess you call it selective memory, right? In a sense, memory is a choice. I realize something traumatic happens. I mean, it wasn't that he forgot getting whipped. He forgot being in prison. He forgot being run out of town. It wasn't that, but he's like, "I, I don't dwell on that. I'm not focusing... I, I want to be grateful. I want to be grateful for, 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 for what you did for me. I want to be grateful for what Lydia did when she opened her home for me. I want to be grateful for those people who did respond to the God. I want to be grateful, you know, as, as it was right, right then, while he was in prison, they sent a guy called Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus left from Philippi, which is in Greece, and he went, he traveled as long all the way up to Rome, because that's where he was in prison. With this gift. And um, while he was there, he got sick. He almost died. Uh, he, he sent, he's saying a thank you to, um, to his church. The church that he had started. He was their founding pastor. For the gift. For the prayer. For everything. And, he, and, and, and all he can talk to them about is the good time. By the way, when a marriage stops doing this, when we stop focusing on the good, it's on the slide to oblivion. People, you know, will always say, Why aren't you happy? Well, and then they'll name a particular circumstance. And I can see two people in the same circumstance one's happy, one's not. It's not when, when this happens, then I'll be happy, or if only, no, it's, a lot of it is gratitude to God for what he gives us, to others for what they give us. So, my first hint would be remember the best and forget the rest. that alone, I could end it right here. <laughs> In fact, you know I keep a gratitude journal. It is amazing how many of the things I am grateful for have to do with people. We can make a choice what we focus on. We either focus, and and it it wasn't that his life was just so great that he was so happy because everything was fine. No, he's focusing on this. It's a matter of focus, and that's what gratitude is. Next, pray with joy for the people in my life. Pray with joy. Um, He was, of course, praying for them. And I think that was pretty cool. People say, hey, Apostle Paul's praying for me. I love it when you tell me. I take that very seriously, by the way. Look what it says here. He says, I always pray for you. Always pray for you. Now, I want you to think of somebody who irritates you, who may have a hard time. Don't look at them, but uh, (laughs) do you pray for them? Do you pray for them? And when you pray for them, how do you pray for them? I mean, first of all, what do you pray, and how do you pray? He says, I'm always praying for you, right? He says, the first thing I do is I give thanks for you, and then I'm praying for you, and I pray with a heart full of joy. (sighs) Look, we can either pray negatively or we can pray positively. People talk about positive thinking. Actually, I'm much more, I mean, positive thinking is better than negative thinking, but what is real, even more important is positive praying. There is a negative praying, which is, God, will you please change this person? I can't, <sighs> what does it matter? I guess this is my cross to bear. Is that, will that make a person feel better? He didn't say, I, no, he said, I pray with joy. I pray with gratitude, right? I have chosen to focus upon the the good and and I pray with joy because I know, another thing, I know that in praying, see stuff happens because we pray, otherwise prayer is stupid. I'm praying, I am now focusing God on this situation. I'm focusing God on this person And and I'm happy about that. I'm doing the best. So the quickest way to change a bad relationship to a good relationship is start praying for them. But start praying for them a very special way. With joy. He'll end it in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds. We'll find that later on in Philippians. But it's a specific way of praying. I'm going to pray for this person. And I'm going to pray for them with joy because I know that I am doing something powerful in their life. That I am focusing God. Otherwise, just give up. Look what he said. Look look at his prayer. And this is my prayer, he said. And then there's four things in it that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So he prayed, first of all, that they will grow in love. He said that your love will grow more and more. If, If if there, you know, Thereby it's three things, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, and the most important thing is that, I, first thing I, I need to pray for this person is that they'll learn what love is about. Not just natural, real Christian love. I want, I want them to grow in love. And, and then um, the second thing is, is that they'll make wise choices. <clears throat> it isn't just knowledge that we need. Uh, we've got a world full of knowledge. You can just ask Google anything, right? <laughs> and you can find, this morning I said, how many grams of caffeine in a cup of coffee? Pff, there it was. Whatever, you know? But knowledge isn't, in fact, the Bible says knowledge puffs up. Love is then that I will get wisdom, which is how to make the right choices. That's what it says, that you'll fully know and understand, not every fact there is, but how to make good choices. That's, that's what wisdom is. And, and then it's how to live with integrity. And the word integer, one, that what I'm, I am on the outside and what I am on the inside is the same thing. That, you know, that's why it, it says that you may be able to live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. That's the holiness part. I want to I I be a person of integrity. I don't want to have you know, two of me, the, 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 the public me and then the private me. I want that to be one, integer. And then the, the other thing is that they become like Jesus. You can pray that for me, by the way. You have my permission. You may pray that I will grow in love, that I will make wise choices, that I will live with integrity, and I'll become like Jesus. Would you like me to pray that for you? I think all of us can pray that for each other. And if we're praying with joy about these things, this is what I'm concentrating, that they will grow this way. That Can I be part of that An answer to that? Makes a difference, doesn't it? And then it goes that you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. That's what it, the fruit of righteousness, that word there is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness. It's faithfulness. It's gentleness in itself. That's what Jesus was like. That's what our goal is. That's what we're helping each other do. And my faith helps you, and your faith helps me, and we're helping each other. Third thing is to expect the best in the people in my life. I wasn't quite sure how to put the word here. Faith, it's, we, we need to believe in people. Faith is a positive expectation. Faith, I mean... And, and, the, and here's the balance between optimism and realism. Um, look, it says here, I am confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. I am confident. Uh, here, let me... It, Paul, he, he brought out the best in those people. You know, the best teacher... Is the kind of teacher that can bring out the best in their students. Uh, the best pastors kind of bring out the, the best in his, in his people, in his flock. The best parent bring out the best in their kids. Paul and Jesus knew how to bring out the best in people. He, he did this. He believed in people. And that gave him confidence. Let's say you're watching your child, a grandchild, a niece, a nephew, a, a whatever, you know, and you're watching them in, in a race, and you're there, and, and, and they fall. What do you do? <laughs> I can't believe this. Well, you ain't going to win. I'm leaving. I'm wasting my time here, right? No. No. No parent. Nobody. No, you always say, come on, come on, that's okay. Honey, come on, get up there. Come on, Jane. Come on, John. Come on. Come on, get back up. Don't don't give up. You can catch up. Keep going, right? Any decent parent does that. That's what we do. We believe in people. Even when they fall, even when they stumble. Second. He said, I'm confident of that. Then he goes, he says, he gave people vision. He painted to them what they could be. Uh, um, Here it says that God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. God's not done with you yet. You're you're a work in progress. This is what you're going to be. And and it's like, oh, okay. Because everybody else criticizes. Everybody else shows you the way it is. Preachers get up here and go, let me tell you what the way it is. You know, I could whip you and and beat you and, and, and make believe like I'm better than you, which I ain't, you know. Or I could say, look, this is the way it is. We could all become happier. We could all become more joyful. And besides believing in people and in giving people vision, he was also patient with people's progress. He said, until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, look, we need to celebrate how far people have come rather than judging how far they still have to go. That is what encourages us. And I don't care whether you're talking about family or or workplace or friendships or anything else. When When I am concentrating on how far they've come and celebrating with them, rather than focusing on how far they have yet to go, I am happier with them. They are happier with me. We have a better relationship. Right? Because we're going to do one or the other. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. I have you in my heart. Because if I don't have you in my heart, you're going to be on my nerves. Right? One of the two. goes to her husband and says, oh, honey, I'm scared about this. I'm, I'm This, you know, this concerns me. This, this troubles me. And he goes, you shouldn't feel that way. I don't understand. That's not logical. And it's like, you don't understand. Well, yes, I, I perfectly understand. Does he understand? No. Does it, is she saying you don't understand mentally? Yeah, I understand that he understands the words. He can say the words back. What she's saying and what I'm saying, anybody, you don't hear, you don't empathize, you don't feel what I'm feeling. That's what. So we listen with our heart. I don't mean he's not talking about the muscle, obviously, the organ. He's talking about the. Do you enter into my? Paul would talk about rejoice who those who rejoice and and weep with those who weep. He do you feel with me? And finally, love the people in my life like Jesus does. It says here, God is my witness that I tell the truth when I say that my deep love for you all comes from the heart of Christ Jesus himself. That's what Paul, founding pastor of the Philippian Church, told them. I would tell you the same thing. I've, Robin and I have, you know, given everything we can, not perfectly, for over, what, 30 years? <laughs> over 30 years? It comes from the heart. I'm grateful for you. I pray for you. I'll give the best for you. I believe in you. I'm honored to serve you. It comes down to John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16. Same guy wrote both. Everybody knows John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's salvation. Look what John 3, 16, 1 John 3.16 This is how we know what real love is. Read it with me. Christ gave his life for us, so we then ought to give our life for others. As we look at these practices of joy, which of these do you need to work on? Uh, who do you need to be more grateful for? Who in your life have you taken for granted? Who have you failed to appreciate? Who have you, because of their faults or flaws, you've not been grateful for them? This is the first practice of joy, to be grateful for the people in my life. And number two, are you praying for the people in your life? Are you praying with joy, or are you praying with complaining? God, fix that person are you praying with joy I want to encourage you to make a prayer list write down some names and pray the four things that that Paul prayed that people will grow in love that they'll make wise decisions that they'll live with integrity that they'll become more and more like Jesus let me ask you are you patient with the progress of people in your life or you demand some kind of semi-perfection they're never going to be good enough And if people have to be semi-perfect for you to enjoy them, you're never going to enjoy them. And four, who do you need to start loving from the heart, not from the head? In this series, we're going to talk about the pursuit of joy. Desire will get you started, but commitment will keep you going. So I want you to first make a commitment to be part of, of this series for the summer, for the summer of joy. And why don't you in your heart right now say, God, I really do want to be happy to have your joy in my life. I want to learn how to do this. I commit to being part, not missing. God, I ask you to give me the power to be grateful for the people in my life. Help me to remember the best not, and forget the rest on those bad relationships, help me to start praying for them and pray with joy, to pray that they will grow in love, that they will live with integrity, that I'll become like Jesus. Dear God, I want you to help me develop the practice of expecting the best in people in my life rather than criticizing the worst. Help me to believe in people. Help me to be confident, build confidence. Help me to be patient with people's progress. Help me to recognize how far people have come, not how far they have to go. Dear God, help me to have love and love in my heart, and to love people not from the head. Pray this in Jesus' name.